You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I'm here today with Dr. Frank Wardinger, an audiologist with the Department of Audiology and the Center for Childhood Communication at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. We're going to be talking about noise-induced hearing loss. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dr. Frank. Sure, thanks for having me. So let's start with a little bit of background before we get into it. Healthy People 2020 has released two goals relating to noise-induced hearing loss. One is to increase the proportion of adolescents who use hearing protection, and the other is to decrease the proportion of adolescents with a measurable hearing loss. In 2011, Henderson and colleagues reported that approximately one in five adolescents in the United States have a permanent hearing loss that can be attributed to noise exposure. So that explains a lot about why this is such an important talk for us to cover today. So since we're talking about how noise can induce hearing loss, I'm not a doctor of audiology. Can you refresh my memory of how noise affects the sensory hair cells in the cochlea and how it causes damage? Sure. So uh, it is a really common issue with adolescents, especially with adults. It's really common too, but it's common because our ears are very susceptible to modern noises. Um, and by that, I mean, we were, our ears were made for a quieter time. They were made for listening to nature sounds and making sure that we heard when an animal was coming up behind us. And the loudest sound that we would hear would be a shout. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of noises that are much louder than shouts now. <laughs> um, so if you are listening to even, let's say, a noisy street and a siren goes by, um, those are noises that our ears were just not designed to handle. Mm-hmm. So what happens to our ears is kind of a twofold uh, issue the way that uh, noise damages the ear. Um, There's a mechanical problem and there's also a metabolic problem. So the mechanical problem is the one that we think of uh, when you first think about noise affecting the ear. It's basically too much energy is going into the system. The system can't handle that energy. So that physical movement causes those cells to break down. Mm. Um, You can also physically damage the eardrum with too much noise, like a blast. Mm Uh, you could physically damage the uh, ossicles um, and uh, mechanical damage actually causes let's say there's a blast noise um, it will actually go in and basically shear the uh, organ of cordy in the in the cochlea just shear it right off the membranes and then it scars over hmm. and then you lose that portion of hearing um, but with noise in general long-term kind of continuous noise, um, the damage comes more from the cells being overworked. And when they're overworked, they release a lot of free radicals. Those free radicals go in and damage the cell, causing that cell to basically give up. Hmm. And when the cell gives up, it scars over, and then that's it. So that's kind of a metabolic Mm -hmm. uh, loss. Um, You can think of it as being exhausted and overworked to the point where Uh, the cell no longer functions. Smartphones are are ubiquitous and most teenagers listen to music with headphones while they're on the go. 
how bad is this for their ears and how would how do we know what's too loud sure um so whenever we talk about headphones and earphones and earbuds and all that stuff i like to uh, mention that basically it's like a car any any type that you use can be used safely mm. or unsafely it's up to the user how they use it so there's a lot of talk about like earbuds being dangerous or headphones that go inside your ear because they're close to the eardrum being dangerous all those things really don't equate to a real effect because if somebody uses that same headphone in a safe and responsible manner, they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. If somebody uses a headphone that we would think of would be safe in a very irresponsible manner, blasting it as high as it goes, listening all day long, mm -hmm. um, then they're obviously not going to be fine. Mm -hmm. um, the second part of the question is how do we know what's too loud? Mm -hmm. And that is so hard to answer and so many people have come up with uh, what I think of as like well-meaning myths um, <laughs> that don't hold up to scrutiny. Okay. So one that I've heard of, and you might have heard of this too, is that if I can hear the music coming out of your headphones, if I'm sitting next to you, yep. it's too loud. Mm -hmm. And it's a really easy thing for parents to say or any caregiver to say to a child because it's like, I have proof that your music is too loud, I can hear it. <laughs> right. um, but unfortunately, some headphones leak sound out. They're designed to do that. Mm. Other ones don't. Other ones keep all the sound in. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting next to somebody who has headphones that leak sound out, you're going to hear it even if it's not too loud. Right. As a parent or as a caregiver, you can listen to your kid's headphones. Mm. And if it's too loud for you, it's too loud for them. Right. And that's a simple way of putting it. Um, there's also... One other decent rule of thumb is if you can't hear me while you're listening to your music, it's too loud. Mm -hmm. And that might not necessarily mean that it's actually physically too loud in their ears, but it definitely means that they should turn it down right. because they need to be able to hear their surroundings and right. hear your directions for safety reasons at least. Mm. Uh, for our children, are there particular headphones that we should recommend to families when they ask us, you know, what headphones should I buy for my child? We're going on a trip and they want to listen to their iPad or something. What, what should I refer them to use? Sure. Um, there's a long and short answer. The short answer is there's special headphones that are made for children. They're usually called safety headphones um, or volume limiting headphones. Mm -hmm. um, some of them work really, really well and some of them don't work as advertised. So you got to be a little cautious um, with purchasing them. But generally, you'll see it as uh, headphones that are smaller in size, and they say that they uh, limit the volume to about 85 decibels or uh, some other verbiage like that. Mm -hmm. um, because like if you, noise canceling, is that the kind of catchphrase that they use? For? Yeah, so there's two kinds. There's noise canceling and there's noise isolating. Mm -hmm. And they're used, unfortunately, very interchangeably in marketing. Um, so I think of active noise canceling kind of like... I can't think of another brand, so those Bose headphones mm -hmm. that um, you would think of for an airplane, those are designed for comfort. Mm -hmm. um, they're not necessarily safety tools, but they could possibly use be used to help a little bit mm -hmm. in a situation, and they definitely turn the volume down so you would listen more carefully or more 
responsibly. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's noise isolating, which means they actually limit what's going in, like your like uh, like earplugs would. Mm. So those come with either foam tips or some kind of tip that goes on your ear and actually blocks out the sound coming in, mm. thus making it easier to listen at a softer level. So I've seen a lot of cute pictures of babies at concerts wearing mm -hmm. these um, headphones to protect their ears. I think we all, during the Olympics, saw Michael Phelps' son wearing mm -hmm. them throughout the Olympics. Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so those headphones that Boomer wore, do you recommend them when a child goes to a big venue like that? And up until what age should a child wear headphones like that? And when is it safe for them to, say, go see the Phillies and not worry about damaging their ears? Sure. That's a really good question. So my cautious answer would be whenever you're in any kind of noise where you think "Ooh, this is a little loud mm -hmm. to you it might be a little loud and to your infant your infant's ear actually is amplifying that sound more just by the shape and size of their ear uh, than you so if it's a little loud for you it's probably very loud to the infant it's probably a little disturbing and definitely uh, dangerous so if it's a little loud to you I would wear it the whole time okay um, and I would add to that list even weddings when there's dance music playing. Um, I've heard some churches that have like loud bands. Mm -hmm. um, if you're sitting near the band, that's like going to a concert. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you asked also what age it's okay to, you know, take a kid to like a Phillies game, for instance, without that kind of um, protection. And you know, sporting events are tough to gauge because it's mostly the crowd mm -hmm. that makes the noise. And the crowd makes more noise when it's a big crowd, mm -hmm. like a homecoming game or something. And they make more noise when the team's doing well. Mm -hmm. So there's quiet games that you could go to or relatively quiet games that might be relatively safe. And then there's ones that are very, very loud. So I think you would just plan mm -hmm. as, a, as a caregiver t for the loud one, hoping that it's not that loud. Right. And then a Phillies game, half the time, it's very, very quiet mm -hmm. or relatively quiet. Not saying anything about the Phillies. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, that was uh -oh. maybe worded incorrectly. Um, at a stadium, yeah. it's generally not loud the whole time. Right. And if it is loud the whole time, you would want to be wearing the hearing protection the whole time. Okay, good to know. Um, you mentioned some other exposures. We, you mentioned briefly lawnmowers and just weddings and churches. Are there any other exposures that we should counsel families about? And one in particular that I was thinking of are those noise machines that people use for their infants. Do we need to worry about that kind of um, constant background noise that sometimes we use thinking that it'll help promote them falling to sleep? Uh, but is that, is that bad for them as well? So you can be a little cautious about anything that makes a lot of noise, especially if it's noisy and your kid likes holding it close by. Mm -hmm. It could possibly have an effect. For the most part, though, kids' toys tend to be relatively safe. safe. Um, but as far as falling asleep to it, um, there's some new research out saying that sounds even below the threshold where it starts causing hearing damage um, if it's continuous enough or if it's long-standing enough, it's going to impact sleep uh, quality. Um, so we're talking about like road noise or, mm -hmm. you know, if you live, I don't know, if you're sleeping on an airplane, for instance, mm -hmm. that quality of sleep is not as good because your brain is kind of in stress mode because mm. your brain's thinking somebody's right. yelling at me the whole time. Right. Um, so... I would be worried a little bit about just the quality of sleep more than causing damage, hearing sure. damage. Um, 
Your other question was about just other noise exposures. Mm -hmm. What else do we have to worry about? Sure. Um, so we can split kids up into like very young kids mm -hmm. going with their families to anything their family does. So Phillies game or concert or um, wedding or anything like that. And we need to protect them from those events. Mm -hmm. And then older kids start doing things on their own, mm -hmm. like playing an instrument, um, rehearsing and practicing with a band. Mm -hmm. um, these things can really quickly lead to very loud sounds that we need to start addressing case mm -hmm. by case. Um, for the city kids that we take care of, is there any long-term harm from ambient noises of the city, like the car horns and the sirens and the traffic that we're hearing sort of constantly in the background? As far as the actual sound level of a city, it's actually just below where it would be harming the hearing. Okay. But we think about uh, noise exposure as in the dosage, um, so we can think of a daily dose of noise being X amount. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a formula for that, which is a little bit too complicated, but um, if you're exposed to 85 decibels of noise for eight hours, we would consider that 100% of your daily noise dose. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you're exposed to, let's say, a city uh, soundscape of about 70 to 75 decibels, 24 hours a day, that might actually reach your noise dose. Mm -hmm. And then if you add just one concert or just one movie that's a little too loud, or you go and listen to one Beyonce album in your room at full volume, mm -hmm. you might really be exceeding it just with that one little added exposure. Right. Uh, For those of us <laughs> who have gone to a concert and then had ringing in our ears afterwards or tinnitus, is that a sign that we were causing damage? Um, I love this question. It's, uh, it's a yes and no answer. Okay. You basically overdosed on noise, mm -hmm. right? And that one instance could lead to a permanent loss. Mm -hmm. And it happens in a lot of cases. In most cases, though, it leads to what we call a temporary threshold shift or a temporary uh, damage. And it's basically that metabolic issue in your ear where the ear is exhausted mm -hmm. and the inner ear needs time to recuperate. And mm -hmm. usually after a day or two, it bounces back. Hmm. Let's hope that it bounces back to 100%. Some would say that maybe it bounces back to 99% and repeated exposure, you're never really gonna get back up to where you were mm -hmm. originally. Symptomatically, how might a kid with noise-induced hearing loss present? Are they just saying, I can't hear you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are they talking louder? What, how, would they, how would they look or how might a parent present them to my office? This is, kind of one of the big problems of noise exposure and noise-induced hearing loss is it's not very obvious. Mm -hmm. um, some would say if it's not obvious, then it's not that big of a problem, but um, a lot of people who have just a little bit of noise-induced hearing loss probably won't come in and say, I have a hearing problem, mm -hmm. I need a hearing test. Right. Um, they might complain of a muffling in their hearing or uh, like saying like that their hearing is blocked or mm -hmm. um, very often they complain about the tinnitus first, the ringing mm -hmm. in the ears, um, because that's the part that actually bothers you right. versus just a very mild hearing loss. Noise exposure has a very specific um, configuration on the audiogram uh, that lends itself to not being obvious to the person who mm -hmm. actually has it. Um, so what I would look for other, 
other than their symptoms that they're presenting is more behaviors and things that the family's reporting. A parent might report, my child's not paying attention ever, they are always focused on their music, or they always have their headphones in, um, they're playing in this rock band and now they're reporting, uh, ringing in their ears, mm -hmm. those kind of other uh, factors other than their own symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so can I screen for noise-induced hearing loss in primary care with my audiometric screening, or do I have to really refer them to audiology for a higher level of testing? Yes and no again. Mm -hmm. um, I would hope that most screening protocols would catch a very mild hearing loss, mm -hmm. but most screening protocols are also set kind of at a higher level, and they don't test these, uh, we call them interactive, so in between each pitch that you would normally do in a screening, mm -hmm. Um, that's where a lot of the problems end up lying. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, again, if, if the other things are presenting, if the child's complaining about it, even if they pass the screening, or mm -hmm. if you're seeing the behavior of listening to the headphones all the time, um, family reporting mm -hmm. that uh, music and noise are a problem, then I would refer them to audiology regardless. Mm -hmm. okay. We talked a lot about prevention and that noise-induced hearing loss is 100% preventable, but is it curable and how is it treated or how does someone live with it once they have it? I usually say it's 100% preventable every five minutes, mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of the take home there is this is a preventable issue that's affecting one in five kids and it's not curable once it's got, right? Once mm -hmm. we have it, right. it's there. Um, so treatment tends to be uh, dealing with the symptoms and trying to mitigate the problems that the symptoms bring up. Mm -hmm. um, so if a person has a hearing loss, we need to help with the hearing loss, obviously with hearing aids or um, if you're still in school with like an FM system to help you understand in school. Um, if you have tinnitus, we need to help you with the tinnitus mm -hmm. if it's bothersome. Mm -hmm. For most children, it's not bothersome, so we just need to educate and explain what the tinnitus is and isn't, mm -hmm. and then let them know where to get help if they need. Um, and more importantly, keeping the hearing from getting worse and right. keeping the tinnitus from getting worse and keeping the noise exposure from becoming more of a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so if we identify a very small problem from noise, let's keep it small. Mm -hmm. A lot of times parents ask me, how long can their child listen to music on their headphones? So let's say they have good headphones, mm -hmm. right? They're doing everything that you said before. They're turning the volume down so mm -hmm. it's not um, at max level. But how long is too long of sitting and listening to music or a show or something through your headphones um, for, for most kids? Sure. So there, are, there was actually some really good research about that specific question, um, with the caveat being, some headphones are capable of making amazingly loud sound um, that may not follow these rules. Mm -hmm. um, but if you were to listen to basically any headphone at 50% volume, you're probably gonna be safe. Your mm -hmm. child's probably gonna be safe. But 50% volume is probably gonna be rejected mm -hmm. <laughs> um, by most kids. Yeah. So there's a uh, other rule that we call the 80-90 rule. At 80% volume, most devices and most headphones allow you to safely listen for about 90 minutes, okay. which 
that's a lot more functional, mm -hmm. I think, for a teenager because mm -hmm. that's time after school or time mm -hmm. on the bus. Yep. And if you can add up an hour and a half and say if you never go above 80% on your volume control, that's actually kind of a workable mm -hmm. rule, yep. I think, for a lot but of it teenagers. It fits the AAP guidelines of less than two hours a day of screen time, which is exactly we would like them to do less than two hours anyway. So an hour and a half of music or, you know, or like I said, watching shows or videos or whatever they're doing on their iPads, mm -hmm. that fits right with that. Um, any other resources that, that you want to share or um, and talk about maybe where we can find audiology at CHOP besides the beautiful Burger Center that we're sitting in now? Where else are you guys located, if anywhere? Uh, sure. So we have a lot of uh, satellite offices. We're in a lot of the specialty care um, centers in, just to name a few, Bucks County, King of Prussia, um, Exton, Brandywine, Voorhees, New Jersey, Princeton, New Jersey, and uh, Atlantic County, um, New Jersey. So we're kind of spread out. Great. Um, and we go to a lot of different uh, health fairs and things, and we're happy to come to, come to the community to, to present this information. Great. Thanks so much for your time today and for teaching us more about noise-induced hearing loss. Hopefully our listeners who are using headphones today were doing so safely, and if not, then they learn for next time. Perfect. So thanks for your help. Perfect. Thank you. This was, this was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcasts for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.